When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. Right back, bringing you another Behind Enemy Lines podcast. We've got our first repeat guest of the year, Mr. Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride, here to update us, on what, update us on what's been going on over in Kansas City for the last month or so. So, Steven, welcome back. How you been, man? Good. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me back on. Looking forward to this contest again. Hopefully, it's more like the games that we saw between these two teams that we got last season than uh, the first matchup. Cause that was kind of uh it's a little bit one-sided, but yeah. it was nice to see the chiefs actually score some points. Cause that those have been harder <laughs> to come by this season. Yeah. I hear you. I, it's funny. I was looking back at it and like, and uh, thinking about that game, I'm like, I feel like the chiefs offense has figured it out. And then I looked at some of their other games. I'm like, Oh, nope. They just played the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gus Bradley uh, refused to play the, form of defense that has been slowing them down all season so that helped them a lot yeah for sure well real quick before we get too far into it uh where can uh, people find you get updated on the chiefs and whatnot keep tabs on the enemy yeah you can follow me at steven serta that's my twitter handle you can also follow at arrowhead pride we've got a ton of daily content covering the chiefs uh, especially with this matchup coming up against the raiders and then if you want to follow uh sb nation nfl we do a ton of great content covering the entire league over there Awesome. Well, let's get into it. And I feel like this is a completely different Chiefs team than since the last time we talked, which we were kind of hinting at before. Back then, they were at the beginning of the stages of their five-game win streak, and there was some doubt about their legitimacy as a Super Bowl contender. But now they're in control of the AFC West and starting to kind of return to form. So what's been the biggest difference you've seen in the Chiefs from the start of the season to the last five, five weeks or six weeks, I should say, with the bye? Well, they can play defense now, and <laughs> it's not just that they're playing defense like, you know, you start the season looking like the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Like that's what they were on pace to be. And now all of a sudden they're looking like they're like a top five unit in the NFL. And that first matchup against the Raiders a few weeks ago, it felt like we were kind of starting to make that turn. But everybody was like no way this is defense actually this good. No, nobody was buying it. And now it's kind of hard not to buy into it. Um, I, I think that they're still playing a little bit above their heads. Like, I, I don't think that this defense is really as good as they have been as of late. And there's been some weird things like, you know, you got the Packers with Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers. And against the Cowboys, Amari Cooper tested positive for COVID-19 before that. So he was out of that game. And then C.D. Lamb left that game in the first half with the concussion. And so you had some weird stuff that have kind of helped the defense along the way. But I do think they're playing much closer to what I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, which was like, you know, a top 15 or so defensive unit because they've got plenty of talent. And Uh, Their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, has really gotten this unit going, and it's been the thing that has catapulted them to the top of the AFC West, not the offense, which is, I think, shocking. It's shocking to me and shocking to probably everybody in the NFL, but their defense has been absolutely lights out. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I feel like 
if you go back to the offseason, expectations never really all that high for this Chiefs defense, but I definitely feel like what you're saying where they're kind of getting back to that that average level where we thought they'd be able to at least, uh, you know, outscore people and keep people in check on defensively. But I mean, last few weeks, like I said, I don't think the the offense has scored more than 20 points, except for when they play the Raiders and during the five game win streak, which has been uh, impressive. But I am curious about what the sense is among Chiefs fans about winning the AFC West. Would you say the fan base is pretty confident that they'll take home another division crown? Yeah, I think so. I I think that, (laughs) That, that early season turmoil that Chiefs fans were kind of going through is past. And now it's, okay, now we're the best team in the AFC West again. We just got to prove that we're the best team in the AFC. And the fact that, you know, they started three and four to start the year, and now there's still, like, hope for that number one seed in the AFC is kind of shocking to me. Um, you know, the Patriots might have something to say about that, the way that they've been playing, but – the Chiefs are in the mix and they're heavily in the mix. And when you look at teams that are ahead of them right now, like the Titans and the Ravens, like those teams are really banged up. They're suffering a lot yeah. of injuries and the Chiefs seem to be getting healthy at the right time. So I think a lot of that doubt, while it still might be there a little bit, I think that Chiefs fans just assume like, okay, the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. And Obviously, this is a big stretch for them where they've got the Raiders and then they've got the Chargers on Thursday night football. So these next two games are going to be huge for deciding the division in all likelihood. I'm curious. I can't think off the top of my head. How far behind are they from the Pats for the number one seed right now? Because like you said, the Ravens just lost uh, their third corner for the year and their best one, Marlon Humphrey. Titans don't know where Derrick Henry's back. They kind of look lost in the last few weeks. So it's definitely possible. Yeah, I think they're just a game back off the top of my head, but I'd have to gotcha. uh, double check. Yeah, they're they're a game back right now. Um, but you know what kind of hurts them is that they've got a loss to the Bills, and they've got a loss to the Ravens, mm-hmm. and they've got a loss to yeah. the Titans. So they've got to overcome all of that stuff. They need the, all those teams to keep losing football games, and then if the Patriots stumble at the end, like. They're playing incredible right now. They just won a football game on Monday night where they only passed the football three times. <laughs> Their defense is outstanding. And so it's hard to see where the Patriots are going to kind of slip up because they just don't make mistakes. But yeah. the door is still open for the Chiefs to potentially pull this thing off if they win out. Is there any fear at all that the, the Chiefs will kind of fall back into that slump or what have you that they faced during the beginning of the year? Or do you feel like feel pretty confident that they can ride this out? I'm starting to feel more confident. Like, you know, after they beat the Raiders, like, okay, that's great. That feels like a turning point. But then you look at like their performance against the giants and the Packers and the Cowboys where you're like, okay, you know, you beat the Packers and the Cowboys, which are two really, really good teams. Aaron Rodgers didn't play in that game. The Cowboys were injured. And so you still have some like question marks about what they can do against top tier opponents, but They've had one of the toughest schedules in football and only having four losses at this point in the season is actually pretty impressive considering like the only, the work they've only played two teams with the losing record in the giants and the Eagles. And which is pretty remarkable, but their four losses are against four good football teams. So I'm not worried about them. I think they can win out, especially if the defense keeps playing like this and I'm getting more and more confident that like, okay, this is who the defense is. But the offense has to get going like the offense has to flip a switch. And it feels like the offense is the last thing that they have to figure out still, because 
they can't throw downfield. Um, you know, they're they're incorporating more like Alex Smith era esque mm-hmm. type of stuff in the offensive game plan, which is what I was saying for weeks they needed to do, and they finally started doing that, but it's really shown up in the fact that they're just not creating explosive plays the way that they used to, and they're not putting up points like that. So I still think that is there. I still think that that could be coming and that eventually they're going to connect on those. Patrick Mahomes just hasn't been as accurate on his downfield passing this season. So he he's missed a lot of those big time throws that we're used to him making, but it feels like it's all still there. And like sooner or later, there's going to be an explosion and that offense is going to be like, okay, now we're scared of the chiefs. Now the chiefs. Okay. We think the chiefs are probably the best team in the AFC again. And it feels like that's kind of where we're headed, right? Like, because you have your question marks about the Patriots and all of these other teams atop the AFC, but if the chiefs offense starts playing like you expect the chiefs offense to play and the defense keeps going like this, then all of a sudden come January, you're like, all right, we're back to where we started. Like the chiefs are the best team in the AFC and (laughs) we shouldn't have ever questioned them. Yeah. So I think you kind of started to scratch the surface on my next question, but I did want to talk about Mahomes because it does seem like his plays dipped a little bit in the last few weeks, um, even during the win streak, which is kind of uh, like we're talking about a little ironic or coincidental for uh, what we'd expect. So I'm curious how does that compare to some of the struggles that he was facing in the beginning of the year? And like, what have you seen from Mahomes since last five games? I I think it's still kind of similar stuff where, you know, when you start your career at, on the trajectory that he has, which is greatest quarterback that's like ever played yeah. football. And then you go through a slump it's like shocking because you're just like, well, this is the guy that's not supposed to do that. But Mm -hmm. if you look at like other upper echelon quarterbacks, like everybody has down years, like Aaron Rodgers has had bad years in his NFL career where he had injuries or his team was really banged up or, or, or whatever. And the chiefs early on in the season just seemed like, okay, we had a lot more stuff to figure out than we thought. We thought headed into this season, we were ready to make another run. And then there was a bunch of question marks. Now there's not as many of those question marks, but as far as Patrick Mahomes play goes, I I just think that he's still a little lost without the deep ball without the big time plays. Cause I think all of that stuff, you know, when you, try to get into and understand like game flow and, and the way like big plays can really boost your entire team. Like all that stuff's hard to quantify with the numbers or whatever, but that's something the chiefs have really, really lacked this season. And I think that it just hurts them overall offensively because they want to put up points. They want to push the football down the field. And I think all of that has hurt Mahomes because Mahomes has never been a guy that's just, Uh, we just need you to run the offense efficiently. Like we need you to be like what Brady was in new England for a really long time, where just don't turn the football over. And we're just going to methodically pick teams apart with 12 to 15 play drives. Like, I don't think Mahomes wants to play like that. And he kind of has to now because the way these defenses are playing him. And so it's forcing him to play a style that he's just not used to playing and that he's not comfortable playing. And so I think that's, what's hurt him, but like this guy's too good for you to think that that's going to hold him back forever. And I know we're 14 weeks into this thing, but because it's Patrick Mahomes, you still feel like, 
well, he can flip the switch whenever he wants and, and get it figured out. And like, you know, go headed into the previous matchup with the Raiders. I was like, you know, if for the fantasy football players over there, I was like, don't put him in your lineup. Like he's been a bad, he's been bad for your fantasy football lineups. Then he throws five touchdowns against the Raiders. Like that's the kind of game that like you're constantly chasing that with Patrick Mahomes because he can do that. You, or you believe that he can do that at any point. And then it just hasn't been the case this season, but you still assume it can happen at any time. So I, I think that his play, it, it has more to do with the fact that he's finally being asked to do some things that he's not used to doing, like playing within the pocket and not breaking the pocket for no reason and having these super deep dropbacks because you want to push the football downfield. It's kind of turned into more of like a quick passing game. And like Tyreek Hill this season is much more of a possession wide receiver than he is the monster big play threat that he has been in the past. So I think that he's still kind of playing similarly to how he played at the beginning of the year. I just think that that's what he has to be this season. And eventually those things should open up down the field, but I think that he's just like impatient about it. Like he constantly wants, wants the 70 yard touchdown. It's just not happening this season, at least in the regular season. So for those of you that are listening and going to go follow Steven, make sure you don't take his fantasy football advice. But, you know, I mean, it's funny. I think it was talked about with uh, Mahomes. I can't remember if it was Mahomes or uh, Josh Allen, but in one of the one of the primetime uh, matchups they were talking about on the broadcast, and I think it applies to both, where it's just not in their nature to just want to take the check down. Like, they just want to make that big play happen. And it's funny when we talk about, like, a guy like you bring up Alex Smith, where it's like we always knew Alex Smith there was no threat of the deep ball just because his physical arm didn't have it. And it's funny how, like, we kind of, like, ignore the mental side of it when it comes to like a guy like uh, a Patrick Mahomes or a, a Josh Allen, where it's like, yes, I understand taking the check down is the easiest throw and that's what you should take. But when you're geared a certain way, when you've been playing so long, like a certain way for so long, it's hard to just flip that switch, especially at the highest level. So interesting, uh, interesting case study for sure. But one thing, and I think you kind of answered this a little bit is uh, going back to the, the broadcast on Sunday night football, Chris Collinsworth was talking about how the Broncos weren't playing maybe as much of that cover or that too high safety look as the chiefs might've expected. So is that something you've noticed how teams are defending Mahomes, or is that just kind of like a big Fangio wrinkle that maybe they're trying to do to, to mix it up on him since uh, obviously you might be expecting that. I mean, I think we've seen as the season's gone on, like early in the year, that was kind of how everyone was playing them. And now they've kind of had a run of teams where they're like, yeah, we'll mix that in with some other stuff. And they're trying to, you know, experiment a little bit and see what, see what happens. And, and yeah. some of it is just defensive coordinators and head coaches are, Oh, I, I want to run what we run. I, I want to mm -hmm. do what I think we're good at. And my system is the best system, which is the way a lot, the way a lot of pro coaches uh, approach these things. And so I think it's just kind of that, um, you know, you'd like to see the chiefs offense have more success against that mm -hmm. and, and put up more points because if we're talking about playoffs, we're talking about, you know, January football and trying to make it to another super bowl, those are the looks you're going to get in the playoffs because that's when they break down the film. And when they go back and they look at the chief's schedule and the opponents that they face and the people that they've really struggled against, that's what they're going to see on the film. And that's what they're going to do. And the chiefs still haven't really had a good answer for it. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's you can look at their point totals. Yeah. They, they've struggled to put up points. They have not looked like the unstoppable offense that we're used to seeing. And that's what they're going to see in the playoffs. So I think that's why they kind of made that midseason adjustment to, OK, we're going to finally use our running backs in the passing game, which is something that they've never done in the Mahomes era. That's something that was a staple of the Alex Smith era but they've never really done that in the Mahomes era because it's always been go, 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 put up points, put up points. And so I think that's why they made that kind of mid season adjustment to try to fix some of that. And they have been better about, we're just taking what the defense gives us. If we don't score a million points, we don't score a million points. We're going to play defense and we're going to protect the lead, which isn't as fun from a viewing (laughs) standpoint, but they keep winning football games. So it's hard to criticize it. Yeah. It's fun at the end, right? Yeah. Real quick before we move on, uh, in your opinion, what do the Raiders need to do to keep Mahomes in check on Sunday? Uh, I mean, they've got to put pressure on him. And and the Chiefs offensive line is good. It's not like elite or anything. They still have some issues with pass blocking. Their interior is stellar and their run blocking is fantastic. But the pass blocking is still leaves a little bit to be desired. And I think that's something that at this point in the season, it probably is what it is, but it's good enough for the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, that pass rush of the Raiders has to get pressure on Mahomes, and you got to do it with your front four. Like, you have to put pressure on Mahomes without blitzing, and that is what a lot of defenses have, have had success with is you don't blitz him because he'll carve you apart when you blitz him because he'll get outside the pocket. That's when he makes these incredible throws. And so you got to put pressure on him and then just don't give up the big plays because as we've seen over the last several weeks and all throughout the year really is if you don't give up the big plays, their offense struggles a little bit to put up points. They can still be efficient. They can still move the ball and they're still getting a lot of yards and stuff like that, but they don't, they, they need the big play. Like, and if you don't give up the big play to them, like in the first matchup, we saw, they, they gave up some big plays to the Chiefs, and, so, and some of us thought, like, okay, maybe this is a turning point. But I think it had to do more with how the Raiders were playing them. Like, you know, Daryl Williams had no business going up and getting that football in the end zone for that touchdown. <laughs> like, like Daryl Williams is not a, a, a super tall running yeah. back who should be able to go up and get the football like that. But he did, and sometimes that's just the way things work out. Uh, but – yeah, it, it, it's just a matter of you got to put pressure on him and you can't give up the big plays. And I think that's the recipe to just slowing down the offense and giving the Chiefs problems. Yeah, that uh, that Daryl Williams play had to be pretty humbling for for Jonathan Abram because Daryl Williams gives him like the too short thing. And I looked it up. Daryl Williams is an inch shorter than Jonathan Abram, or at least listed wise. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's got to be that's got to hurt. That's going to cut deep right there. Yeah, that dude had just had no business going up and getting that football like that. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the weapons. And similar to Mahomes, outside of the Raiders game, it does seem like teams have been able to keep Travis Kelsey in check, at least relatively speaking, seeing as he isn't putting up those numbers that he has in the past and hasn't cracked 100 yards since playing the Raiders. So has he been featured in the offense a little bit less, or is there just kind of something else that's going on there? It's not that he's been featured less. I I just think that teams have kind of taken the approach of – you know, we're going to keep Tyreek Hill from beating us deep. And then 
we're going to make sure that we've got two dudes on Travis Kelsey for the most part. And it's worked for a lot of the season. And now people are kind of starting to question like, you know, Kelsey's in his thirties. Is he starting to slow down? Is he not, is he still, is he just the best tight end in the NFL now? He's not the best like offensive weapon. Like people described him as before. Like, I still think Travis Kelsey's fine. Um, I, I just think it's the overall offensive performance and the added looks to the running backs that they're doing in the passing game. It just, you know, takes some looks away from Travis Kelsey. It takes some targets away from Travis Kelsey. And that's inevitably going to happen. I still think he's an incredible player. He's still capable of going out and having a monster game on any given week. It's just this season. Yeah. He does look a little bit more like a tight end than he does like a wide receiver. Like in years past, we've described him as more of a wide receiver than a tight end. And this year he looks a little bit more like a tight end. So it's just a matter of how defenses are choosing to play the chiefs. And it's really an issue of their own making because they came into the season after letting Sammy Watkins go and said, we're going to roll with McCole Hardman and we're going to see what we got here. And McCole Hardman is now like their fifth wide receiver because he has just not been a good player. He has not been productive for them. And he is now getting less snaps than Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. And he's kind of in that Josh Gordon tier in terms of like snaps and route routes run right now. So he just hasn't been a big part of their offense and they chose to go in the season like this. And so they don't have a third option that's reliable. And I think that's also hurt Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill because Byron Pringle is their third best wide receiver right now. Gotcha. Well, I did see that Travis Kelsey has like four drops in the last few weeks. So I'm curious if that's just kind of been like a lack of concentration or is there is it maybe just like something like one of those weird anomalies or what's been that's, going on? That's, that that's also the most frustrating part about this offense because those have been drive killers usually. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's something that's plagued them all year. And really this is something like you could go back and look at the chiefs team drops over the last several years. And I bet they're close to the top of the NFL. Um, you know, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'd be willing to bet that they're close or near like top 10 every season or something like that, because the, the discipline, the small things like the, the minor mistakes, all that stuff has been there for several years. They've all done it. They've all, you know, fumbled drops, whatever miscommunications. It's all been there within the Andy Reed offense for several years. It was just that they were so good that it didn't matter and nobody cared about it and nobody talked about it. Now this season it's worse. And I, I think that has to do with the fact that, you know, all that stuff existed before and now it's worse than it's ever been. And so all of that stuff has been a huge issue. And Travis Kelsey, especially like, that dude, when he gets the ball, you need to know when yeah. Kelsey gets it, he's going to catch it because Mahomes has had a number of weird interceptions this season that just bounced off a player's hands and fell right into the hands of a defender. And a lot of those have come from Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And those are supposed to be the two guys that you know you have to rely on. And you know that when those guys get the ball, you don't have to worry about things like that and the, those minor mistakes. So, that's been the biggest and most frustrating thing about the offense is because like, even in the last game where Travis Kelsey had multiple plays like that, 
it was on drives where like they were moving the football and you're like, okay, they're going to go score. And then something like that happens. And it's a total drive killer. I don't know how you fix that at this point in the season, because that's just who they are at this point. Like early in the year, you can say, Oh, they're getting their feet under them. They're still figuring things out now. I mean, we're in week 14. We're talking about playoffs now. Like this is just who they are. And eventually it's probably going to burn them worse than it has in the regular season. But it's still, you know, we're talking about Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes, like Hall of Fame caliber players. So you got to keep feeding them. You got to keep going <laughs> to them. But it's been a huge issue this season. I don't really know how the Chiefs fix it. Gotcha. So this is some, that's this is part of the reason why I was excited to have you back on, because I feel like even the, the last time we're always on the same wavelength, because my next question was actually going to be about Tyree Kill and his uh, his struggles catching the ball, too. So I'm just kind of curious, is that kind of been almost the the perfect storm between Mahomes is a little bit inaccuracy on the deep ball and then are the drops happening on those deep passes and that's a playing a big role in why the Chiefs are having fewer explosive explosive plays yeah it's you know Tyreek he had a big drop against the Broncos that was really frustrating because it was like it wasn't an inaccurate pass he just dropped it and Mm -hmm. You know, he was near the top of the NFL last year in drops, if I'm recalling correctly. And some of that, you know, I the, the drop stats don't say volume. that much when you're talking about like star players because they just get more targets. They get more yeah. opportunities than other wide receivers who aren't as good as them. So keep feeding Tyree Kill because he's a special, special player. But yeah, he's had drops issues for the last couple of years now. And I think all of that stuff is infectious to the offense as we've seen with the chiefs and like their turnover issues and they still have turnover problems. They're not as bad as they were early in the season, but they're still turning the football over and finding like weird, interesting ways to do it on a weekly basis. And a lot of that has to do with the drops. And yeah, like I mentioned, football's just going through players hands and stuff. Um, It's been especially frustrating with Tyree kill because there has been moments where you were like, that's a touchdown. Like that's that that's seven. If he catches that football, but I think it's an issue that he's had for a while now. And again, we're just noticing it more this season because it seems like all these issues are catching up to them, which is what happens in football. Like, you know, (laughs) inevitably you have a down year where injuries pile up or all of the mistakes start to catch up to you. And we're finally seeing the mistakes catch up to the chiefs. And that's why we're like overemphasizing some of this stuff. They, they just have to hang on to the football. <laughs> like it seems like it's, <laughs> it seems like it's so easy. I, I understand that it's difficult when you've got Patrick Mahomes and he's rifling these lasers to you, but it, it just simply can't happen when it's Tyreek and when it's Kelsey, everybody else has a little bit more of an excuse because you just understand that those players aren't the same caliber as those guys. But it starts with those two, you know, they, they, they just simply can't drop the football and they've done it a ton this season. Yeah. Mahomes fastballs and cold weather do not mix. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that's different about this week's game than last time is the return of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So how has he looked since coming back from injury and how does he make Kansas city's offense harder to stop? He's looked good. Um, since he came back in his last two games, he's basically in an even split with Daryl Williams. And I I think that Daryl Williams, while Clyde was hurt and Daryl Williams was filling in, the chiefs were like, he did enough to where he deserves more playing time. And so I think that's what you're going to see moving forward. Um, 
They've actually been utilizing Clyde in the passing game a little bit, which again is something they've never done so far in his NFL career and coming out of LSU. That was like why you loved him coming into the NFL was like, Oh, this dude can catch passes. He is an every down running back. And the chiefs just simply have not used him like that at all in his NFL career. But the last couple of games, he actually has been involved in the passing game. He had a couple of nice catches against the Broncos, but Daryl is really like their, their main receiving back. Like when Daryl is in, they've been looking to get him the football in the passing game and they've done it. Like obviously he had over a hundred yards against the Raiders in their first matchup. And then he had some big time catches against the Broncos this past week, but Clyde is going to be the guy moving forward and he's been effective in the running game too. And a lot of that is them finally utilizing the interior of that offensive line. And I think that's something that Andy Reid had to kind of come to grips with midway through the season was just like, man, we're not great at pass blocking, but our run blocking looks really, really good when I give these guys a chance to do it and just move people out of the way, like Trey Smith and and Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney, like the interior of our offensive line can be straight up dominant. And so that's kind of an adjustment that they've made where they're, they're trying to utilize those guys more and capitalize on the fact that that's the strongest part of their offensive line. And so the running backs have been effective. Like Clyde and Daryl were the biggest part of their offense against the Broncos. And I I think we're going to see more of that moving forward where these guys are going to be heavily involved in the passing game and they're going to get a lot more opportunities to run the football because that's just what's working for the chiefs right now. So I I think that Clyde and Daryl are both going to have a big impact in this game. Just like we saw Daryl have a big impact in the first matchup against the Raiders. So do you think it's kind of like a, like a, would you say it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire is more like the more between the tackles, whereas um, Daryl Williams is a little bit more of the scat back a little bit, or do they kind of use both in both roles? They kind of use both in both roles, but Daryl is definitely running more routes. Like Daryl is definitely when he's coming in the game, they're looking to get him the ball in the passing game more often than Clyde, but they have started using Clyde that way. And I would really, really like (laughs) to see more of that because We've seen Clyde do it at a very high level in college, and that's why you drafted him in the first round. So forever, I've been baffled by them not utilizing him that way. But hopefully we see more of that moving forward because they're both good pass-catching backs, and they've both been productive in that. But Daryl seems to be the the main guy that they want to get the ball to when when they're talking about passing to one of those guys. So building off that, can you kind of give us a brief brief overview of what Williams' route tree looks like or what routes he's most dangerous on or has been most dangerous on the season? So, I mean, we talked about him going up and getting that football in the end zone on the first one. So they've been utilizing him a lot, but what's been impressive about Daryl is that they are like letting him run downfield. Like he, he had a nice catch against the Broncos this past week where it was, I I think it was kind of like a wheel route where they just, they just sent him in to go upfield and Mahomes hit him when he rolled out. Um, That's something again, that they've never utilized Clyde as like, we, we saw Andy Reid do that a ton with Kareem hunt uh, where Kareem hunt was such a good pass catching back that they were like, we're fine getting you out into space and getting you 20 yards up the field and throwing the football to you. So 
they're utilizing Clyde a little bit more, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And Daryl is getting more of those like running back out of the backfield wheel routes and, and, and deep down the field stuff. Um, it's, I, I, I want to see more of it. Uh, I want to see Clyde <laughs> utilize like that, but it seems yeah. like they're just never going to do it. So I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but yeah, Daryl is somebody that they're not afraid to let him go up field a little bit and, and throw the football to him. So they're, they think that he's reliable enough as a pass catcher that they're fine utilizing him that way. So gut feeling, do you think Williams is in for another hundred yard receiving yard performance? Um, that's probably a tall order, maybe not a hundred, but I'm going to say Daryl at this point, the way they've been utilizing him, I'm going to say he's a lock for like 45 receiving yards. Still a pretty good day for a back. So hopefully yeah. the Raiders can figure it out this time and, uh, not get him one-on-one with Jonathan Abram anymore, but we'll see what happens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, so the theme of the theme of the day is kind of circling back to our previous conversation. And last time we went into the details on Kansas City's offensive line and how they've been struggling a bit, mainly at tackle. But their pass protection has improved a little bit during this win streak. So what's been the biggest difference you've noticed in that unit and have the tackles improved at all? Or is it, I know you were talking about it a little bit, maybe they're struggling a little bit too as well. Yeah, I think they've gotten better. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. I think has gotten better as the season's gone on, but I think it's also the offensive change where, you know, they're not putting them in unfavorable positions like they were early in the season. Like Mahomes just isn't doing these massive dropbacks anymore, which is like, kind of a staple of his game, which even coming out of college, which was like a, a big criticism of him was like, he drops back way too deep. Like he he's putting himself in a bad situation. He's putting his offensive line in a bad situation and it never really affected him that much early on in his NFL career. And, and I mean, the chiefs had a good offensive line though, like Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher were, were both really like bookend tackles at the beginning of his career for them. And so that was kind of an adjustment period, but I do think Orlando Brown's gotten better, but I think the chiefs have been trying to do the offensive line more favors. And maybe some of that had to do with the fact that they've been playing Andrew Wiley at right tackle because Lucas Niang and Mike Remmers are both hurt. So they're down to the third string right tackle right now, but Andrew Wiley has actually played pretty well. But I, I think that's, Again, the Chiefs trying to limit the opportunity for him to get totally torched or something like that. It's, you know, shorter dropbacks, quicker passes. We're going to run the football. We're going to utilize the running back. So I, I think all of that is helping the offensive line. I do think that they've grown and gotten better as, as an overall unit as the season's gone on. 
But yeah, if they fall back to a situation where, and, and I'd be interested to see this because we still haven't really seen it where a, a game where they get down big early and they've got to revert to the kind of chiefs offense that we're used to seeing where it's just, okay, we got to go. We got to score points. We got to, we got to pass 50 times today. And so they haven't had to do that. And so we haven't really seen a good example of it just yet. So, yeah, I think the offensive line has improved, but a lot of it I think is game scripts and situational football where they're just trying not to put them in bad situations. But if they do have a situation like that, which is inevitable in the NFL, you're going to have a game where, you know, you look up and you're halfway through the first quarter and you're down 17 to nothing or something like that and you got to start throwing the football. So they just haven't been in a situation like that lately. And so we haven't really had to see what that looks like. And I'm curious to see what, what happens. Cause you know, it sounds like I would assume that Lucas Niang and Mike Remmers is on IR right now. I would assume that Lucas Niang probably won't be available again this week. Um, so it sounds like Andrew Wiley's going to be there. It's just, we, we kind of need the chiefs to be in a shootout to see if they get like exposed at that right tackle position. Cause if they do go into the playoffs like that, I think they absolutely will get exposed right there. But right now they're, they're doing a lot of things to kind of try to mask it and, and keep Andrew Wiley from getting burned. Yeah. So Andrew Wiley was actually the, the guy I really want to talk about. Cause I believe he made his first start of the season at right tackle the last time the Raiders and the chiefs played. Um, and I saw he did struggle a little bit. I know he gave up about nine pressures and was able to, but the offense was able to mask it with some of what you're talking about, a little bit of the scheme and give him some help with some chip walks on Max Crosby. So I think you kind of uh, answered this a little bit, but has that kind of been consistent? That's kind of been the game plan moving forward is give the, give the right tackle or give Andrew Wiley as much help as possible and the offensive line as a whole. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's just that it's, you know, Andrew Wiley was the guy that in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay Buccaneers just got absolutely obliterated and it wasn't his fault. Like Andrew <laughs> Wiley was never supposed to be in that situation. It, it, it's just the way things worked out. And so, yeah, I think that once they knew, OK, it seems OK, we got to put Remmers on IR because he was injured for a couple of weeks before they actually put him on IR. So that means his injury just wasn't getting better. And they were like, OK, we got to put him on injured reserve. And then Lucas Niang got hurt, who started the season as their starting right tackle. And then Remmers replaced him because he was struggling a little bit and he came back in. He got hurt. And OK, now we're down to Andrew Wiley. And so it seems like that was like kind of uh, an emphasis for them was just you know, kind of recalling the nightmares of that Super Bowl <laughs> and, and the situations that they kind of put him in. And I wonder if Andy Reid like looks back on that game and he's like, I could have done more to help Andrew Wiley and maybe that would have helped us overall. So I, I think it is just that it's, you know, Andrew Wiley has had good snaps for Kansas City and has done his job and has done everything that you can ask a, a third string caliber right, right tackle to do in the NFL but the chiefs are are going out of their way right now to try to mask some of that stuff and, and help him out as much as they can. So it doesn't get Patrick Mahomes hurt and it doesn't make Andrew Wiley look bad. Gotcha. Well, now that you've seen the Raiders and the chiefs play once this year, can you give us a matchup in the trenches that you think is going to favor each team? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Crosby, right? And, and Ngakwe, right. like those, that is the Raiders pass rush. And those two dudes are having fantastic years. And 
And Giannick Ngakwe, there's a case to be made that he's one of the best offseason additions uh, of any team. Like Matthew Judon for the Patriots is another guy who has just been exceptional. And when the Patriots signed him, I was like, man, that guy is going to eat with Bill Belichick. But Yannick Ngakwe was a kind of under the radar guy who, you know, people were looking at him like, oh, he's he's done. He's washed up after, you know, he got traded from Jacksonville and just had a bad season last year. And he's been fantastic. So it, it's going to be those guys and it's going to be the Chiefs tackles and, and how they can slow them down. Because even in the first matchup where everything seemed to be going right for the Chiefs, like those guys were still giving that offensive line problems. Uh, the Chiefs just were able to overcome it in in that game. And so I, I think it has to do with Orlando Brown Jr. It has to do with Andrew Wiley. And it has to do with Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. Like th- those are the guys that I'm going to be paying attention to when the Chiefs are trying to pass protect because I know they can give opposing offensive lines a lot of problems. And like I mentioned, if the Chiefs get into a situation where they're playing from behind, which is something they haven't had to do recently, then I'd be really curious how those guys hold up when they go in full-blown pass mode and Mahomes starts taking these deeper drops because it's just something he's not doing that much right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I feel like feel like if there's a one advantage the Raiders are going to have, depth to be on the edge, but the interior, especially with the way the, the Raiders' interior pass rushers have been struggling a bit in the last few weeks. So be an interesting matchup in the trenches. But let's pivot to talk about the other side of the trenches and start with Chris Jones. Um, It looks like he's going back to playing almost exclusively on the inside. So can you compare Chris Jones, the edge rusher, to Chris Jones, the uh, defensive tackle, and touch on why you think he's better on the inside? Oh, man, they're different players. They're they're, they're totally different dudes. Um, I was actually, to start the year, I was kind of excited to see Chris Jones on the edge because I was like, well, I mean, I don't know if it's going to work, but it's interesting. And uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like because Chris Jones, the the biggest part of his game is that like he's insanely strong, but for a dude who's as huge as he is, he is fast. Like he is. Yeah. It, it's shocking to people like how athletic and fast he is. And so me being like, Hey, I'm in favor of chaos. Let's put dudes wherever and see <laughs> what they can do. I was like, yeah, I'd like to see if that speed translates to the edge and if he could be dominant like that, because we've seen other guys kind of move around and do that with like, you know, Aaron Donald and JJ Watt have had success kind of moving around over the years, but those guys are still at the end of the day, like they can give you all kinds of problems up the middle and that's where you want them to be. The biggest turning point, I think in the chief season that when it's all said and done that we're going to look back on is them acquiring Melvin Ingram for a sixth round pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers, because that gave them the ability to move Chris Jones back inside exclusively. And early on in the season, Frank Clark was hurt. They're moving Chris Jones all over the place because they just simply didn't have a reliable uh, opposite side edge rusher. And they had no pass rush. Like they could not put pressure on anybody. And we're talking about a team that's got almost as much money invested in their defensive line as any team in the NFL. That's just not acceptable. Like you have to be able to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And I think that it was a harder transition than Chris Jones realized. Like, I think that in the NFL and in football, like game flow matters and reps matter. And when you're moving around like that, I think it's really hard to like settle in and like, you know, when you get 
so many reps against an opposing offensive lineman throughout an NFL game. Like you're learning on each of those reps. Like, okay, right. He's biting a little bit to this side. I can, I can burn him if I, if I time the snap right or whatever. And so I think it's hard to do that stuff when you're going inside, outside, inside, outside, like, like Chris Jones was early on in the season. And so since he's been able to move back to the interior, He's looked like, okay, this dude's the second most dominant interior pass rusher behind Aaron Donald in the NFL. Like he's just been a total monster. We saw him just absolutely obliterate the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. He had three and a half sacks in that game. And really, I thought it should have been four. Like I didn't think that sack, <laughs> that, that last one should have been half a sack. I thought Chris Jones was the, the whole reason that that sack happened. And He's just looks like a game wrecker again, and, and that's what they need him to be. And now Frank Clark is healthy. Melvin Ingram is still kind of being treated as like a, a situational guy where he's still only playing like a little bit above 50% of the snaps, but his snaps have been increasing and he's getting more and more run. He's the starting guy opposite Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram has looked really good. Like he is an aging pass rusher, but a lot of people were comparing it to like when the Chiefs Super Bowl team brought in Terrell Suggs, like Melvin Ingram is a lot better than Terrell Suggs was when they brought him in. Melvin Ingram can still be an every down player if you need him to be. And he, while he might not be quite as spectacular or dominant or whatever, as he was early in his career because he's aging, he's still really, really good. And Frank Clark is healthy now. And so he started to make plays, but Chris Jones being on the interior has actually elevated the play of Jaron Reed, who was doing absolutely nothing in the first half of the season, like totally absent interior defensive player. And with Chris Jones moved back to the inside, Jaron Reed's having an impact now. And so it's totally transformed the Chiefs defensive line down the second half of the season to where like, okay, this defensive line looks like it's one of the more problematic ones in the NFL and you got to start treating it that way. So Chris Jones moving back to the inside has <laughs> totally reshaped the defense, in my opinion. Like it, it was, it, it's baffling, and it seems like it was years ago now that we were talking about him on the edge because he's been so good uh, moving back to the inside. Gotcha. Well, I think you answered just about all my questions about the pass rush there, so I'm uh, appreciate that one. But uh, one thing I did want to ask to ask you about is kind of how the the Chiefs collective run defenses and especially in the defensive line. Cause one thing I've kind of noticed about Chris Jones is while he does have a few flash plays as a run defender, it does seem like you might be able to uh, push him around a little bit. I don't know if he get, might take a playoff or here too, or just get tired quickly. So I'm curious if you agree with me on that, or is that, a, or do you think that's a potential weakness of him and maybe the defensive line collectively? Um, yeah, I think it is a weakness. Uh, they've been better at it recently, but the, you know, Denver was just able to run all over them and Javante Williams is a, is, is a total yeah. stud. So I, I don't even feel bad about that, but Chris Jones in the run game has always kind of been a liability. Like he's just not great gotcha. at it, but that's why they brought in Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed's supposed to be that guy, right? He's supposed mm-hmm. to be the one who's good at it. And Derek Nadi, who has been really good this season and, and really underrated, uh, he's been huge for them there. It's just, you kind of, you put Chris Jones in because Chris Jones can be a total game record, game changing player who can give a quarterback nightmares. He's just not, he just doesn't care about the run. Like, like it's just not, it's just not his thing. He's always been able to get pushed off the ball in the running game. It's just something he struggled with his entire career. So at this point, like that just is who he is, but he's so valuable as a pass rusher 
you just live with it and, and deal with it. And the Chiefs linebackers have really stepped up and their young guys especially have really, really improved. And a lot of that has to do with Nick Bolton, who is a fantastic, you know, run, run game linebacker. And so that's really helped their defense against the running game. So if you had to point to one thing in the defense at this point in the year, like, yeah, you can run on the chiefs, but they can give you a little bit more problems. And they're not quite as bad at it as they have been in the past. Gotcha. Well, I do want to circle back to Frank Clark, who you're talking about before. And I saw he's averaging about four pressures a game in the last five weeks. So I know he's started the year injured. Is he starting to get healthy and kind of returning to form? I know you were talking pretty highly of him about five minutes ago. Yeah. So he started the year with a hamstring injury that kept bothering him. And then the chiefs kind of tried to rush him back at the start of the season. And then he hurt his other hamstring. And so he was just not healthy at the beginning of the year at all, like dealing with two different hamstring injuries. And then he finally opened up about it a few weeks ago where he was like, I could not do any lower body work for two months. Like I, I, I could not, I, I could not get the, the power built up that I'm used to, like headed into a season to, you know, try to push offensive linemen around. And that that really affected him. And since then, he's saying that he's healthy and he has actually had a huge impact for them moving forward. So, yeah, he he appears healthy again. And really, you could point back to last season, like his his play kind of diminished last season, but he's always kind of been a player who shows up in the playoffs and makes plays for them. But He's really done it at the back half of this season, and that's also helped. I, I think, again, I think that Chris Jones being on the interior is just contagious to everybody along the defensive line, and so I think that's helped him too. But, yeah, him being healthy has been huge for them because he just clearly wasn't at the beginning of the year. Moving on to linebacker, I think I'm most curious about the young guys, Nick Bolton and Willie Kay, and how they've been playing recently. I know you're just talking pretty highly about Bolton. Yeah. So Nick Bolton early in the season was playing out of position because Willie Gay started the year on IR and he was being asked to drop into pass coverage a lot, (laughs) which like, if you go back to Nick Bolton's college tape, he, that is not his game. Like he needs to be around the line of scrimmage. He needs to be a guy that's stuff in the run. That's what he excels at. That's what he's good at. He is not a linebacker that you want to get caught with in pass coverage. But since they got Willie Gay back, Willie Gay is that dude. Like Willie Gay is the most athletic linebacker the Chiefs have had since like prime Derek Johnson. Like he is the first linebacker they've had since DJ that can play sideline to sideline. He's fast enough to drop back into coverage. He's got, he's got a couple interceptions since he came back from IR. He almost had one against Teddy Bridgewater too. And he should have, it might've been a pick six if he would have caught it, but he's good in the pass game. Like he is a good pass coverage linebacker. And that's something they haven't had for a long time. And then, yeah, Nick Bolton is just, he's a run stuffer. He he's the guy that you need around the line of scrimmage who is going to go up and pop a running back in the hole. And he's been fantastic at that. So as soon as they were able to get Willie gay back and, and move Nick Bolton to the position, he's a little bit more comfortable playing then it totally transformed their linebackers. And Anthony Hitchens is just kind of old, reliable. Like Hitchens doesn't really do anything special for you, but they love him as a leader. Steve Spagnola raves about Hitchens is, you know, one of the leaders of our defense. He's going to be out there as long as he's healthy, even though athletically he like leaves a little bit on the table. But Anthony Hitchens is like the seasoned veteran who's kind of navigating things and helping Nick Bolton and Willie Gay 
kind of figure things out as they move forward. So I, I'm really excited moving forward about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton as two young linebackers for the Chiefs. I think they're both really good players. And it's, yeah, it's kind of transformed that second level of their defense, having Willie Gay back in the mix. So has the tide started to turn and uh, the younger guys are taking more snaps in the vets like Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman? Yeah, so I mean Hitchens is still getting plenty of snaps, but yeah, it's Ben Neiman was the guy early on in the season. Like, you don't want Ben Neiman on the field because he's gonna get caught in pass coverage and he just simply cannot cover. Like he that is just not where he belongs, and he's really not that good of a player in general. So yeah, Ben Neiman's snaps have gone down. He's still in the mix because again, Spags likes his dudes. He's gonna he's still gonna give those guys opportunities. But yeah, Willie Gay being there has just been huge. It, it, it's hard to overstate the impact that he's had. And while it might not show up like in flash plays each and every week, like Will, having Willie Gay on the field has, has really helped this defense a, a ton. And we have seen it with his interceptions and stuff like that. But what you don't see is like when he's when he's running step for step with a, a tight end or a running back or, or something like that, it's it's huge having an athletic linebacker like that today in uh, the modern NFL. Gotcha. So the defensive backfields where I think that she's had quite a bit of success in recent weeks, or at least compared to the beginning of the season. So can you talk about what's been different since the start of the year till now? Well, um, they stopped playing Daniel Sorensen 95% of the snaps and started playing Juan Thornhill about 75% of the snaps. So <laughs> that was huge. Uh, again, another Spag special where he waited about about four weeks too long on Daniel Sorensen, and it finally came to a head again in that game against the Buffalo Bills where he just got torched multiple times for touchdowns. And so Spags finally said, okay, fine. We'll put Juan Thornhill in and, and Juan <laughs> Thornhill is he, he's kind of like a quiet player where like you don't always see Juan Thornhill show up in like flashy plays. He just got his first interception uh, of the season against the Broncos again, but he has been huge like he is a coverage safety. He's not really a safety that you want playing in the, up at the line of scrimmage because he's not a particularly good tackler, but that's what Tyron Matthew can do. And so it's given them a lot of flexibility because they know, well, Juan Thorn Juan's good at covering. And so we can put Juan in coverage situations and we know he's not going to get totally burnt. He's not like the best coverage safety in the NFL, but he's he's a hell of a lot better than Daniel Sorensen. And so that's made a huge difference. And it's given them more of an ability to utilize Tyron Matthew the way they want, whether they want him, you know, covering a wide receiver or playing up the line of scrimmage, trying to make plays that way or, or whatever, they can utilize him the way that they've always wanted to. And then Traverius Ward is healthy. He started the season banged up. He's finally healthy and he's playing outstanding. It's the best football of his career and he, he's playing for a contract. So he's trying to get paid and he looks fantastic this season. Legereus Sneed has continued to really, really improve. And then Rashad Fenton is a guy, when they started the year, they were kind of rotating Fenton, Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker was in the mix a little bit. And Mike Hughes was terrible. Mike Hughes was the one who was getting a majority of the snaps to start the year. Former first round pick they traded for. Chiefs love doing stuff like that and seeing what they can get out of them. And Mike Hughes was terrible. He was awful. He was getting burned early in the year. And they finally were like, okay, you know, Rashad Fenton's been solid for us since we drafted him. Like every time we give him a lot of run, he, he he's okay. And then 
as soon as they made him their third corner, he's been fantastic. He, he he's played really, really well. He's injured right now. He didn't play last week. I, I don't know if he's going to play this week. We'll find out a little bit later on. Uh, but when he's played their secondary, all of a sudden looks like it's really, really good. It's, it's just, it's kind of hard to describe where the chiefs were early in the year. And some of that I think is Spags defenses always have growing pains. It seems like early in the season and they kind of put it together as the season goes on, but some of it was also him just being frustrating and choosing to play veterans over young players, even though we could all see like when the young players got the opportunity, they had more upside and they were more talented and it finally got bad enough that he was like, okay, I'm going to give these guys a chance. And he gave them a chance and all of them have stepped up and they've all played fantastic. And we've seen that like, you know, over the last several weeks, the chiefs are one of the better defenses in football. They're like the best third down defense in the NFL right now, which seems absolutely crazy. Yeah. Well, I remember last time we talked, you were, you were fired up to talk about with Fenton. So I had a feeling that was going to come up in, in this uh, segment here. And uh, I got to say with your boy, Daniel Sorensen, he did have a pick six last week, at least. So there's progress. <laughs> yeah. See that, but that's what Dan's always been good at. Like, so Dan is like uh he, he is a weird like ball hawk. Like he's always found ways <laughs> to be around the football when somebody else makes a play or tips it. And that's exactly what this was. It got Teddy Bridgewater got hit by Ben Neiman of all people and deflected the pass. And it just went straight to Daniel Sorensen. And Dan made a, made a couple nice missed tackles to get to the end zone and score, score a touchdown. But like, that's what he's done his entire career is like, he's the guy that just, he knows how to be around a tip football and grab an interception. He's always he's the been put good back at guy. It. And he's the putback by and pick up basketball. Yes. That's, that's his role. He's perfect at that role. That's the only thing he should do. And yet when he's in that role, he can make plays for you when he's playing 95% of the snaps, he is not good. So keep, keep him in this role, please. He's perfectly fine at that. And maybe he'll have another redeeming pick six later on in the year. That's where he needs to be. Thank you. Spags. <laughs> We touched on a little bit about the the younger players being improved, but I'm curious, who would you say has been the most improved player in the Chiefs secondary? And if there is one, who's been the who's been slipping lately? I, I think they've all played well, um, but for me, it's Legarius Sneed. Uh, you know, headed into the year after a fantastic rookie season, and you know, he is a, a late round pick who they immediately last year when they had some injuries in the secondary had to put him in and he seemed like every week he was flashing like you know he had the ups and downs that any rookie has but he would flash like plays of brilliance and they figured out that oh this dude's a really really good tackler which is like hard to find at the cornerback position sometimes and so spag started using him as a blitzer and he got several sacks as a rookie and this season, I think there's a case to be made that Legarius Need is like top five tackling cornerback in the NFL. Like he is just fantastic. Like when running backs break to the outside and you need someone in the secondary to step up and make a hit, if Legarius Need's out there, that running back's not going anywhere. And you know that because he will lay them out and he will go make a big hit. And so seeing that from him this year has been really fun to watch. But he's also gotten much better in coverage, much more consistent and reliable in coverage to the point where, like, you know, he's playing in the slot. 
you don't really want to attack Legarius Sneed. You don't want to look at him. So you're going to try to go towards Ward and Fenton. And both those guys have been really solid. So, you know, if Fenton doesn't play this week, the Raiders should absolutely try to exploit DeAndre Baker or Mike Hughes. But Legarius Sneed has, has really, really played well and really, really stepped up. And, like, I, I legitimately believe he's on his way to, to being like a, a star type of cornerback in the NFL, who's going to continue to improve for them. And he came at a discount, which is always nice when your team lands a player like that. Definitely. Collectively, what would you say is Kansas city's biggest weakness or secondary's biggest weakness? And how have they been able to overcome that in the last five weeks? Um, I mean, their biggest weakness, uh, I guess would be Juan Thornhill. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's I think that's a good situation to be in in the NFL when your safety is is your biggest weakness in the secondary, because that means that your other positions are doing their job. But you know, Juan is a good player who he tore his ACL as a rookie. And as a rookie, like expectations were sky high for him. Like he looked really good as a rookie player and everybody thought like, oh, this guy can be a star. And then he tore his ACL late in his rookie season. And last year never really looked like he was back and fully healthy. Like just didn't look like he was the same kind of explosive playmaker. And then really even headed into this season, the chiefs were like, yeah, you know, we're still, we're still working him back and we're still trying to see if he can be that explosive player or whatever. And it was like, well, I mean, we're, we're a full year removed from this thing. Like, should we start being worried? Like, is there complications? Like, is his knee still flaring up or, or what's going on? But since he came in, he has been good and he has been solid and he has been a reliable player, but he still has, you know, moments where, you know, he's out of coverage or he, he misreads the wide receiver or cuts to the wrong guy or whatever. I, I would say that he's the guy that like, if you had to point to any one player who is unreliable at times, it can be one, but he's still been playing pretty well and he's much more athletic than Dan. So like you, you want one out there and he's still a young player who's still kind of figuring things out. So I, I don't think that anybody is super exploitable in the secondary, the way that they've currently been playing. And I'm getting more and more sold on, on the defense overall. If Rashad Fenton plays, He's spectacular, but yeah, if they're going to exploit anybody in the secondary, it's got to be Mike Hughes or DeAndre Baker if Rashad Fenton's not available this week. Gotcha. Well, I don't like to hear that, but uh, I am happy for you as as a and whatnot. But uh, we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday. But Stephen, thanks again for coming on. That'll just about do us. Real quick before you go, one more time, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steven Serta. If you uh, want to stay up to date on Chief stuff, you can follow Arrowhead Pride. Uh, but you might rather follow the SB Nation NFL show. We got a ton of great content over there following the entire league. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again. You guys know where to find me, Adam Holder95 on Twitter. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next week, guys.